Welcome back to Rude Dude. I am your host with the most, Henny Loke the Lobster. My partner Cameron has been licking park benches, so he's out with the uh, septicocle, streptococcal herpagonocephalitis. Um, I guess one of us has to be sick every week now. Uh, so I will be doing this on my own, but not actually on my own. I have a, uh, a very special guest with me tonight. We talk about him a good bit on the pod because I spend every day with him because I work with him. Um, it is my buddy, old pal, my friend Charlie. Who what is, up? What up? What's going on, Mister Charlie Rock? Dude, I, dude, who does the intro for your show? That that band that does the intro. Who is that? That is Full Blown Stone, and those are our buddies uh, that we went to high school and partied with in college. Dude, I really dig that jam, man. It's a good song. I love um, it. I I was just telling Cameron the other day, I listen to a lot of fantasy football podcasts and stuff, and a lot of them have the stock music that you just get off whatever app, and the fact that we have like an actual song by a cool band makes ours so much cooler, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Charlie Rock. Nice to meet you, everybody. <laughs> uh, Charlie Rock once was a... Radio announcer, is that right? Is that where that name came from? Yeah, so I got my name. Uh, I was a radio DJ early 2000s uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, yeah, that's where I got my name from. Welcome back to... Yeah, no, so Hit me I... with the intro, dude. Yeah. No, so uh, I used that voice quite a bit. Um, I got that voice a uh, long time ago. Um I, I haven't been on the radio in years. I apologize. Hold on. We just came back from commercial. Uh, come into Toys R Us today to get your stupid fucking giraffe. Dude, we used to use that voice. <laughs> we used to use that voice back in the day. Kind of stupid. Toys R Us. That's a throwback. Those aren't oh, I love anymore. that, dude. So Charlie and I worked together. We were on a rooftop uh, scraping, sanding, buffing, painting a hundred-year-old fascia and trim all day uh sweating our asses off now we are freezing in the basement um in the lab the studio and charlie uh i met through actually we lived in the same sober house at one point and uh he's uh he's in the brotherhood of jacob's ladder uh that's the sober house we were at and he is on this journey of recovery and I wanted to have him on because uh, Charlie has lived several lives um, and all over the place. And um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story, Charlie? Okay, but before we get started, okay, where where's Cameron at? He's Dude, like, I, I miss this guy. I love this guy. <laughs> listen, to, listen, I listen to this podcast every week. I look forward to it every Monday. And now Cameron's gone, and I'm here. 
Where is Cameron at? It's funny you say that because he was like, he probably feels more comfortable with me not there because he doesn't know me. That's that's probably true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Charlie was a little nervous to come on here, it seemed like. He's a little nervous about our tens and tens of fans <laughs> who will be listening. Dude, you guys are getting some <laughs> listeners. I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um and Charlie's going to blast this out to everybody, so we're going to gain like 10 more followers. Dude, as soon as everyone hears that Charlie Rock is on here, yeah. it's over. Kind of a you big guys are deal. good. Kind of a big deal. You guys are about to blow up. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tell me a little about... So you're, you grew up in New Mexico, is that correct? Yeah, I grew up... Um, I'm actually... Uh, I grew up in Albuquerque. Uh, my mom was uh, Native American. She's Navajo. So I grew up on a reservation in Albuquerque. Um, let's see, man, it's a long story. I don't even know where to start. Well, what? Hold on. How about like a little bit about your family life? Like, what was it like when you were a kid? Well, uh, I grew up on the reservation. Uh, my dad was Irish. My mom was Native American. Um, I didn't know you grew up on the res, so it checks out that you're an alcoholic. Yeah, no, that's true, no. <laughs> and plus I'm Irish. My dad's very Yeah, Irish. you were set up for failure. Absolutely, from the beginning. From the jump. Right, absolutely. Um, so... Mom and dad get along, stay together? Uh, no, they divorced. Um, well, I was about 10 years old. It's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, but, um, I'm familiar with that story as well. My mom raised me. Um, we got off the reservation because like us kids didn't really fit in. We all popped out white. Did you, do you feel like you kind of got looked at a certain type of way? Yeah, no. Er, like like dis reverse discrimination type of like early, devil? early on, like when we were young, it was no big deal, but growing up there. It became awkward. Like, I started growing a beard in ninth grade, and nobody else could grow a beard. So it kind of got weird. Let me just lay this out for you. Charlie is a giant. Charlie is six foot six. Um, wears a size 17 shoe. So you probably stood out. You, know, you probably look different than the other kids. And that might have been a little jab. I have Native American in me. I still can't grow a beard. Uh, I think it's the only thing I received and the nice olive skin and suntan. But uh, I get where you would you would uh, look different if you grew a beard because that's a Native American thing. They don't really grow facial hair. No, they really don't. <laughs> so at a young age, I'm picking up that you felt a little different and felt like an outsider. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Uh, but we got out of there pretty quick. And um, what age? Uh, probably 10, okay. 11 years old. And we moved outside of the city. And I was, again, I mean, growing up in the Southwest, I was still white. Um, very Hispanic culture, which is okay. Like, it was all kosher. So, it was, uh, but you I mean, we're talking the 90s. It was a completely different time back then. And so, did you, um, but you kind of started off life feeling a little bit like an outsider and a little bit Yeah, different. absolutely. No, I, I really did. When was the first time that you drank or used? 
Oh, young. I was probably 12, 13 years old. Good and drunk or smoked weed or what? Uh, drinking. Drinking. Um, I was really hesitant about weed. Because, I, I mean, I don't know what it... I was worried about what it would do to yeah. me. When you've never done it, you're like, what right. does it feel like? But alcohol, yeah. Fire water. Yeah. Fire water. Yeah. Um, and when, uh, when did... How long was it fun and when did it feel like it started becoming more of a problem? It's probably fun for a long time. Huh? It was fun <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Um, I really didn't... I would say I really didn't abuse it until in my 30s. I had a really tragic, traumatizing event. And um, I just couldn't stop. What really. age was that? Uh, like I was 34. 30. And uh, my mother died and my father died. Along with my sister and my brother. God damn. And... Um, I, I got in, I was in this situation where I was burying my, I'm sorry, I, I was burying my entire family. Was it a car, was that a, did you say it was a car crash? Yeah, it was, a, there was a car together. accident, yeah. God damn. God damn. And um, I was burying all of them at once, and I, I was still, I was still kind of a kid. I mean, even though I was in my 30s, but I was still a kid. Too early to lose your, right. your family, and, your parents, um, yeah. I remember I woke up that day and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to deal with my feelings. Right. What I was feeling. I don't think anyone knows how to deal with that or is prepared for that. Well, I didn't know what to do with it. Right. And so I drank. And I had already learned how to drink a long time ago. And so I woke up that morning and I drank. And I drank that whole day. And I arranged funerals. I was... Like, there's so much more to it. Like, uh, my family, uh, they, they were in comas before they died. So I, I watched them slowly die. And, um, yeah, I, I buried them one by one, and I, I just really didn't know how to work through those feelings, so I just drank. And I drank, and I drank. And at some point, a flip, uh, a switch was flipped inside my head, and I could not stop. Was any of your, like, extended family around for that to help you, or were you... Yeah, um, but it was kind of, uh, there was a lot of money involved, and so it was kind of like the uh, sharks circling the boat mm, at the time. It's crazy how uh, how money can turn people like that. I had a I had something like that happen in my family when someone passed away, it made... Uh, made Two people, uh, two of my family members still don't talk to each other to this day because of it. Well, I'm still good with my family. That's good. I, I kind of recognized it for what it was. Yeah. So we moved on. So, man, I am, uh, that's a lot. I, I, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, 
So you started just burying your feelings in alcohol and running away. And then you, did you physically run away from Albuquerque or New Mexico at that point? Was that when you? I was already away from Albuquerque at that point. I ran away from Albuquerque a long time ago. I, uh, it's Albuquerque is not a good place. (laughs) Not a good place. Yeah. It's real rough town. Um, I left and moved out east, uh, with my wife at the time. Um, moved to, um, Chicago, then Virginia beach. I've lived in, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, uh, lived in Alaska. I started working on towers and, um, that's really taken me all around the the United States. And so I was working on towers when all that went down. And so I, I kind of had to move back and, you know, take care of my family. Um, so before, before the accident and when you were working on the towers, your drinking wasn't too bad? No, well, I mean, I, I had my moments. Um, I had my binge drinking. Yeah. But mostly it was beer at night with the boys. Yeah, it was, you know, it was like normal people who don't think they're Yeah, it was it was normal kind of people drinking. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't shitting yourself and puking every morning drinking. Um, so you move home, you take care of your help help your family and then your drinking gets really bad. And what is it all day every day? Oh, yeah, it's it's first thing from in the morning. first thing in the morning um i would wake up um i would drink my stomach couldn't handle it so i would puke it up mm-hmm. but as soon as it would get into my bloodstream um i was fine mm-hmm. and it was like um it was like that was my coffee for the morning yeah. it'd wake me up well, and i was fine what was your drink? What were you drinking? Uh, I, I I really liked Captain Morgan. Mm. I think it was the captain. <laughs> I don't think it was the alcohol. You just liked the character? I just liked the captain. <laughs> He's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. <laughs> Always got his leg up on something. Doesn't matter what it was. He had it up there. Yeah, I do that in front of my girl sometimes. And she don't she don't really appreciate Winnie it. Winnie the Pooh t-shirt, no pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so, and then you, uh, tell me about when it got bad, real bad, real bad. Oh man, dude. I was, uh, you mind if I call you dude, dude, it's, it's required. dude. dude okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> Everybody's, a um, dude. man, I was in jail every weekend. Mm, Not just no, once every weekend. You guys, you, you need to look up some of my um mug shots mug shots dude oh they're bad oh they're so fucking bad dude <laughs> i'm gonna post some to the instagram you should, story dude, dude, i will dude. i i double dog dare <laughs> you i double dog dare you uh now it was when i was ending up in jail all the time i was with a i was with uh, i hate to blame it on the woman i was with mm. but like that had a lot to do with it mm. 
Well, like, like, how do I, how do I approach that? Look, like my alcohol me. was bad, but the, the combination with the woman. Well, none of forget us, about it. None of us are uh, great partners when we're constantly drunk all the time. Right. I'm sure she had her part, but so did you, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so drunk tank every weekend, what were you drunk and disorderly and drunk in public and shit like that? Or man, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> how many, how many years were you drunk all day, every day? I want to say three years before I, I, before I really realized like I can't do this. Okay, so what was that moment like when you were like, "This is what was your bottom? What inspired?" Well, I had uh, I had already been to detox. How many several times? times yeah. Several times, and they had already told me I'm an alcoholic, and I was just like, "No." Do you get the shakes and everything, dude? I had seizures. I had seizures. Yeah, yeah DTS. Um, and then we lied about our seizures more so we could get more out of van. Dude, that was my favorite part about <laughs> detox, dude. Knock I, me out. Dude, I used to lie about it and like fucking I just wanted some out of van. Then they fucking wake you up every hour to take your blood pressure like I just fell asleep. Yeah, or or to go to the uh the uh the little meetings they had and mm. i'm like no nah, i'm just high <laughs> okay. i just want to sleep this episode of the rude dude pod is brought to you by our good friends over at fair oaks arborist do you have a tree leaning a little too far or maybe a little too close to your house worry no more our friends over at fair oaks arborist have you covered they cover all aspects of hazard tree removal from directional felling to technical rigging and more they do it all trimming or pruning issues you guessed it they cover that too whether it's to make that eyesore of a tree more aesthetically pleasing or simply keep encroaching branches off your house the fair oaks arborist has you covered they also use spikeless climbing techniques to provide the best service and avoid damaging your trees unsure if a tree should be removed give fair oaks arborist a call for an assessment they are tree risk assessment and isa certified and of course licensed and insured the owner scott is a great friend of ours and he's a stand-up guy who will give you an honest quote and deliver exceptional service give fair oaks arborist a call for any and all tree related needs you may have at 916-259-5408 that's 916-259-5408. Or reach out at www.fairoaksarborist.com. We'd like to thank Scott Shaw from the bottom of our hearts for his support of the Rude Dude Pod. And now, back to the show. So I always laugh. People, now I have a real life... Cameron's got his hobbit shed. It's 100 degrees out there, and he's in there sweating like he's sitting in the rhino from Ace Ventura. We just had to stop recording so Charlie could put a hoodie on. Dude, you know, <laughs> this this laboratory of yours is like a freezer. Dude, it's so... What do you got I got a on? blanket on and a long sleeve. It's 95 degrees outside. I got a blanket on my lap. Well, I think all the cold air falls down here from the house. Probably why it costs so much to cool because it might stay upstairs. Dude, my girlfriend would love it, dude. She's like a she's a uh, yeah, dude. Alaskan. We're complete opposites. Mm. I like it warm. She likes it cold. Yeah, and Charlie, though he's six six, he weighs one hundred and twelve pounds. About so ninety eight. So. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, so what was the <clears throat> moment or how many, how many times have you, how many times have you gone to rehab or have you? Yeah, I've been to rehab three times. And where you going with that? I don't. When <laughs> I love it, dude, because I can't remember. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been to jail. I know how many times I've been to rehab, but I don't remember how many times exactly I went to jail. But um, when when was the moment when like it actually started to click for you? What was the turning point for you? It was probably all the charges over my head, dude. Mm, that'll do it. I was facing uh, two DUIs plus um, two driving on revoked. Um, they have mandatory minimums, so I was facing four years. Mm. So it was serious shit, dude. And I'm, I'm not a lawbreaker. You know, I'm not a reckless guy. And... Uh, I just, I, I knew I had to fix this. Clean and sober Charlie's not a lawbreaker. No, I, I, not at all. You got tired of filling up your boots with doo-doo while you were climbing towers? Oh, dude, do you want me to tell that story, bro? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Okay, well, we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, uh, <laughs> um... Yeah, it's it's well. Actually, I I just want to get to it right now because I so I'm I'm an alcoholic as we all know, um, and I had a lot of moments where, when I had to go, I had to go, and like I'm talking about, pull over to the nearest gas station, and if somebody was in there, I was in trouble. I was so I can't imagine being like a hundred, hundred twenty feet up at the tower and the old beer shits hit. Okay, so all right, here we go. So I climbed cell phone towers for 15 years. And so I, you know, I would, I would drink at night at the hotel room. I had my moments in the morning and I would have my beer shits. But, uh, on this particular day, <laughs> we had partied pretty hard at the hotel room the night before. And, uh, I got to work and I climbed this 300 foot tower. It was a cell phone tower. And we started our work. It was, a, it was a really cold day. So I think it was January. I was uh, wearing a West, lot of... God. Yeah, in West, in West Virginia. Cooper's Rock, actually. Oh, yeah. um, I'll show you guys the tower. He showed me the tower. The I showed day. you the tower. Yeah, yeah. He's like, that's the shitty tower. <laughs> that's right the there. shit tower right <laughs> we there. We drove by it. So, um, I'm up there and I start getting the bubble guts mm. and I'm wearing two pairs of jeans, two sweaters, a coat and overall bibs. There's no, and, and on top of all that, I'm wearing a climber's harness. He's 96 pounds at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 98. Anyway, um, there's no way I'm getting out of this harness 300 feet in the air out of all these clothes and bibs and socks and underwear that I'm all wearing. So I had to make a choice <laughs> and I made the wrong choice. Um, I started to climb down cause I thought, man, I, I can, I can hit the bottom. I can make it to the bottom. 
and I started climbing down, and I didn't even click off. Clicking off is where you clip on, you're safe climbing, you're making sure you're safe. I didn't clip off. I free climbed all the way down, <laughs> 100 feet from the ground. Um, the Lord said, it's time. That's right. That is absolutely right. <laughs> Nature calls. Um, the diarrhea <laughs> slid down both sides of my jeans and filled my boots completely oh full. Oh, my God. And I was still in the air. And it was just, it was over. I finished climbing down. I was done for the day. <laughs> I was done for the day. I didn't want to have nothing to do. I wanted the day to be over with. I wanted to go home. You didn't rock out the dookie boots? Nope. I wanted to go home. But there was no going home. Uh, I, had to, I had to sit in my own waist <laughs> the rest of the day. Let me just tell you, my girlfriend's skin is absolutely crawling right now because she does not... Among probably many people... Um, uh, cause this isn't the most, um, enjoyable subject, but besides that, this is a funny story. I think it's important because this is the kind of shit that we have to remember. This is the kind of stuff that doesn't happen when you're clean. You know, this is the kind of stuff that happens when you're treating your body like a freaking dumpster and just pouring poison in it all the time and you lose control of your innards and your bowels and all that because because of the way that we treated our body, right? Absolutely. But, you know, one thing I, I enjoy about this is that me and you can talk about it and laugh. Like, normal people can't, like, enjoy this and laugh about it. <laughs> but me and you, we get it. Yeah. We understand it, and we can laugh about it and enjoy it. And thank God it's over. Yeah. All right, so we got to the turning point. You had charges over your head. Um, the uh, when you first got clean and came to uh, the sober house, was that straight out of rehab, or um, did you? Where did you come from when you got here to Morgantown? Well, I had been living in West Virginia for a while. I moved out here working on towers. Um, I'd been to detox several times. They suggested rehab. I said, nope, not interested. Went back. They said, go to rehab. I said, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> Went to rehab. They said, you need sober living. I said, nope, not interested. Went to rehab again. They said, yep, you need sober living. I said, nope, not interested. I, I was always too busy for that shit. Same. And, um... Finally, I, I took the suggestion, and I went to Sober Living. I uh, ended up in Morgantown. Um, and it, well, that's, this is where I've been for the past three years. Yeah, and that's an important thing to touch on. It's funny that you have the same uh, experience, because so do I. Because um, Jacob's Ladder was my fourth rehab, and before that... The previous three rehabs, they always told me to go to sober living, and I never wanted to because I had to get home for this or home for that or whatever. I was too busy. I had, you know, whatever bullshit that we make up. Um, 
And I, I didn't actually stay clean until after I went to Jacob's Ladder and I went to Sober Living because we need that transition. We need that accountability. We need um, someone. And, and my my reasons for hurrying home, like in retrospect, uh, was basically I was tricking myself into believing that I was okay, but really I wanted to get back to doing the same exact shit that I'd always done, right? Was your Is that your experience? Yeah, I wanted to. I, I thought I could um, do it better this time, or tough it out. Yeah, tough it out, or do it different. Take the easier, softer way, or something like that. Right. Um. So now you've been clean for a while. I think we had a we had a little slip up, right? Yeah. Um. Uh. Christmas Day, uh, two thousand twenty-two. What do we think happened there? Or what um, did happen there? Well, holidays are hard. Mm-hmm. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was alone. I just got off of um, probation. And I had an ankle monitor. And I had an alcohol monitor. Have you ever had an alcohol monitor? No. Okay, so check this out. <laughs> I had to... <coughs> I had to walk around with this device that you had to... It was like a, a blow-and-go for your car, but I had to blow into it randomly whenever my phone told me to. You had a blow-and-go for your Shubaroos? Yeah, for my Shubaroos. Just wherever I was. <laughs> oh I had to, I'm talking a year they were like, of this shit. Dude, you just can't... I don't yeah. give a fuck about driving. You dude. can't drink Period. This is Harrison County, West Virginia. By God, they did not want me drinking. So I had to carry around this monitor. Wow. I had an ankle monitor. I had an alcohol monitor. Did the ankle um, check your sweat? Because I've heard of that. No, no, no. They didn't have that. Dude, I, I was in Placer County Jail, and there was this old man in there, dude. He was like, I don't know, 65, 70. And the dude got out. And like two days later, he came right back. I think I was in there for a little stint. I think I was in there for like 90 days. And this dude left and came back like two, like three times while I was there. And he had the monitor on his leg that actually could um, like test, test your sweat, sweat glands right. or whatever. And, it, and he was like, I was just throwing stuff away and I found this old bottle. I took the tiniest little sip. And it was really sad because he was a really old guy. Like, he didn't belong in there. But, you know, whatever he'd been doing uh, in his life, he wasn't, he was not winning. Well, so. That was here during, what year was that? It was all through the pandemic, dude. Mm. So not only was I cut off from, like, any kind of social activities, but I had an ankle monitor. I had an alcohol monitor. I was stuck in sober living for the first time in my life, oh, which was guys, fine. I was doing really good. You guys got deep dicked over there at sober living during COVID. Yeah, huh? no, we really did. Um, like trapped in that house. I had to uh, quit working several times, um, and just we we were on lockdown. Yeah, it's rough. And it was it was just so much. It was so out of my character so much out of my environment um as soon as i got out off of my ankle monitor and my alcohol monitor 
and COVID was kind of slowing down, you bet your ass I had a drink. Yeah. <laughs> I probably needed a drink. Well, you clearly didn't. Uh, how that did that get bad fast? No, I. Luckily, um, I had a lot of people in my corner. Um, I started drinking Christmas Day, and I was picked up that night and taken to the hospital. So, mm. did you get you got pretty uh, pretty toasted there? I got a good buzz. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and then you went to uh, the ladder for a little stint, right? Yeah, I went up to um, Aurora. Was that thirty days or? I did um, ninety. I did ninety days. Yeah, dude, they tricked me. <laughs> dude, those bastards. No. They said go up there for thirty days. Yeah. Once okay. I was up there, oh yeah, it turned into ninety days real quick. That's because they know what's best for you. But uh, look, I really love those guys. They sent me up there. Um, I didn't have to pay a thing. Yeah. Um. I was up there for 90 days for free. Um, they really took care of me. Dr. Kevin Blankenship and his dude, wife, Stephanie. Dude, are there's so angels. much love there, yeah, dude. It's kind of scary, man. <laughs> Absolutely. It's kind of scary. Yeah, and they do it They do it because they care. It's not a money-making scheme. I don't think they actually make any money off of it. It's pretty incredible what they do. Well, it's hard to accept, man. Coming from like my background... Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how to accept it or it's just, it's hard to take. Like, I think you know what I mean. It's just, I like, do. wow. Do you think you've gotten better at that though? Accepting? Well, I feel like we aren't able to accept love when we don't love ourselves and we often don't love ourselves and then we learn to love ourselves. Do you think you've learned to love yourself? Yeah, dude, I have really good, um, I have really good self-talk. I talk myself up. Nice. I talk myself, I talk to myself in the mirror. Nice. I think that's really important to do, kind of talk yourself up. Don't overdo it. But Is this like a every morning ritual or when do you no, do it? It's, How often uh, do you do no, it? it's not really a ritual, but I, I, I have an internal dialogue. Yeah. I talk to myself. I'm like, dude, you're, you're a good guy. You're, fuck, you know. I think that's great. I think that's so important because I think I would venture to say that it's the norm, and most people's, uh, it's more common for us to talk down to ourselves. No, I've noticed that. Man, I'm that's so bad. Fucking stupid. That's man. so that, bad. It's terrible. That's so bad, man. And it, it's, it's harder to talk up to yourself is is harder to talk well it feels up. weird right even though no it, it really shouldn't doesn't. yeah no. it shouldn't like you can call yourself a fucking idiot and not feel bad about it but then when you're like hey henry you're a good guy you're doing all right you're like that's fucking weird right? <laughs> <laughs> like, dude i i have these weird sayings dude like uh drop us one um i'll do it <laughs> that's one of my favorite ones and it's it might not be like a talk yourself up type of thing, but it's I'll do it. Like I'm not scared, I'll do it. And okay. it, it it really is like talk yourself up. Like I ain't scared, I'll do it. 
Because I, I am scared of things. And even when I'm saying I'm not scared, I'll do it. I'm probably scared of what I'm saying, but I'll just do it. That's funny because, um, like I said, like I mentioned to the listeners, I work with you, obviously, and he says that all day. I go, Charlie, hand me the grinder. I'll do it. Hey, Charlie, do you mind? Do you want to go put the floor in that bathroom? I'll do it. Like anything, I say, I'll do it. And it's actually really cool to hear you say that because most of the stuff that you say it to to me is fairly innocuous, but learning like the reason and the theory behind it is actually pretty cool. Well, yeah, no, I'm talking myself up. I'm telling myself, um, even though I don't want to fucking do it, I'll do it. You know, um, I, I, I want to take, take on that challenge and I want to do it. Yeah. And you know, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this moment to actually uh, stroke you here a little bit. And it makes sense with this attitude you're telling me you have, because I will say one of the things that I love about you and working with you and just hanging out is like, it's a general positivity. And like, especially with the work we do, it's hot. Some of it sucks. It's tired. It's hard on your body. Like it's tough. So it's really, really easy to get into like, fuck, I don't want to do this today. I don't feel like doing this. This sucks, whatever. And when you get with someone, you know, those things are contagious, right? Attitude is contagious. So when you get with someone who has that attitude and is like, oh, fuck, today's going to suck. This is, I hate doing this. This is a bummer, blah, 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 blah. You, you both pile on and you snowball and it just make it worse and worse and worse. But like when I work with you and you're like, I'll do it. I ain't scared. And we're like, yeah. Or we, we kind of joke about like, oh yeah, this is going to be fucking great. And, but we just do it and we don't like play up how shitty it is and it makes it a little bit easier. Right. So that is one thing that I do really appreciate you about you. And I, it's funny hearing you say that and explain the theory behind it because I can testify that that is actually how you are. Isn't that cool? <laughs> do you like that? Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? It is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Dude. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I like it. And that, so I'll like, I'm like grinding something and like a shard of wood like gets in my eye and I'm like, fuck, that just got in my eye. And Charlie goes, isn't that cool? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, it's, yeah, it's super cool. But it <laughs> kind of makes you laugh it off, you know, and you just move on. And like, Well, okay. no, like this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I try to talk myself up all the time. doesn't matter what the fuck it is. Uh, I learned that, isn't that cool from my dad? Um, I had just, uh, I was working on a big project with my dad and, uh, I just destroyed, destroyed, a $10,000 piece of equipment and, uh, we're looking at it. It's rolled over the hill. I was young, man. I was young and I just rolled this piece of equipment over the hill and I'm looking at it. My dad walks up and we're both looking at it and he said, isn't that cool? And I said, fuck no, that's not cool. And so that's like my favorite saying now. Like, isn't that cool? Oh, like Dude, this is so like we great. can't like we can't control that. Right. Like it's over. Life it's, on life's it's, terms. Yeah, it's spilt milk. Right. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Dude, it's so it's so cool. Um like doing this interview right now with you is so cool because 
all these little things that you say and I hear you say and do all the time, I'm like getting the backstory behind them and it's actually pretty cool. I kind of just thought you were like a fucking dickhead and you just like to say stuff with your dry ass humor to kind of like make me feel worse sometimes when I do stuff, which it doesn't, it's not like bad, but I'm like, oh, this guy's just being an asshole. But now that I get the backstory, I'm like, isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's an, uh, oh, was it an homage to my father? To Pops? Yeah, to old, to old Papaw. Um, so what would you say uh, are your gifts of recovery or your favorite gifts of recovery? What's life like today? Well, man, I like waking up not sick. Mm-hmm. I think that was, I think that's probably my greatest gift, that Waking up sick, waking up needing something to get well. I don't, I don't have to deal with that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's so. It's such a gift. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're waking up, and you're sick, you don't, you don't have to live like that, man. Like it's. God, it's such a miserable feeling. Mm-hmm. Living your life chasing whatever it is you're chasing. Um, the relief, too, the relief, the, the uplifting feeling of just the anxiety. Because drugs and alcohol just really compound the anxiety that you're feeling. Mm. That's, if you're on drugs or alcohol, you're treating something. You're not an addict. You are self-medicating. Mm-hmm. You are treating, your, you're treating a symptom that you have no business treating. With the wrong medicine. Deal with the symptom. With the doctor. Deal with the symptom. And you can only do that sober. So on that subject, I think that this is a perfect segue. You, your, your whole family passed away in the car accident and you just started drinking nonstop. How long, when do you feel like you actually um, dealt with that and got through that and felt those feelings? Um, because I, I would presume because I... Not similar, but I buried some shit with alcohol, and I didn't feel it later until I got clean. So, like, what was that process like for you? And when did that happen? I honestly, I think I dealt with those issues while I was in addiction. And so when I came out of it, I was ready to move on. Honestly, I was ready to um, change things and just kind of move on with life. So I I honestly feel like I dealt with it while I was in addiction because my addiction was kind of like a grieving, like a very sick, twisted grieving process. And so like my view on it was like I fucking dealt with it. I, I did the grieving and so it's time to move on 
and that was it. Uh, how long was that process, you think? It was years. Yeah. It was years. And um, I mean, you're never you're never really fully over it. Right? I I don't really. I don't dwell on it no more. And that's why I say I, I feel like I, I did my grieving process. Like kind of. Uh, I did what I needed to do. To get through that process, and I came out alive, and here I am. Now let's do some shit. Isn't that cool? That's fucking cool, dude. <laughs> you like That's that? very cool, man. <laughs> uh, you had an idea that um, you you mentioned to me like, hey, this would be a cool topic. And I was like, well, why don't we fucking talk about it when, when you come on? And you were talking about wearing masks. And I told you I'm never coming on this show. Yeah, I actually withheld I withheld your paycheck today. To he did. You into he did. Because Cameron was licking park benches he's got the septicocal herpes ifigonolitis uh i recovered from my sword swallowing incident from last week um but tell me a little bit about what you, you how we all wear masks and we have different characters tell, let, let's get into that a little bit well okay so dude honestly like i have two personalities well probably more than that i think it's kind of normal but um Probably more. Yeah. I have a personality that I take home with me. You don't have a personality, dude. No, dude, I have... Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm Charlie Rock, dude. Come <laughs> on now. no personality. Um, like, I have a face that I put on for people. But I, and I... Th- you know what? I think it's a good thing. I think it's a really good thing. I think it's good to have different personalities, different personas... And, like, I'll give this to you, but that's all you're fucking getting. Because I don't fucking know you. And and someone you love, you tell, you know, like, maybe I'm, I, I don't know what I'm saying right now. Um, But this, this is, I'm, I'm going to give you this. This is me. This is actually Charlie. Because I love you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do, I you, think, do you have... I think, yeah. I mean, we were talking about this. Like, I think it's kind of a natural thing. Um, and I don't think... I think it can be a bad thing if you're being fake. But also, like, there's levels to your friendship or your relationship with someone. And... There's certain things you can talk about, like around my girlfriend, you can't say diarrhea um, or talk <laughs> about fecal matter at all. Um, but yeah, there's like... Should I write that down? Jot it down. If you okay. Can you spell that? I can't yeah. spell it. Diarrhea? Yeah, there's an H in there somewhere. Wow. Um, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, I think, is it? Okay. All right. Got it. Isn't that cool? Um but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, but our our goal, I would say, with you know addiction or recovery, is to like take the mask off and be our authentic self. And something that I like try to harp on, and I talk about a lot on here, is like I don't really want to be around the people that I feel like I have to be someone else. I think we all do it naturally, 
like we have our own uh, little different uh, like slang terms and terms of endearment with each different kind of friend group and that kind of stuff. But if I ever feel like I have to like be someone I'm not around people, then I probably don't want to hang out with those people. Right. Uh, no, I agree with you. Uh, but I think it's uh, like an in- inevitable to be around people like that. So you're still going to have to put on that mask no matter what. I mean, uh, look at the business we're in. Um, we deal with customers that are just intolerable. But we still got to smile. <laughs> you know? But And it, I, I think it's okay. And, um, so I have two personas. I'm Charlie. Charles, well, okay, so I'm Charles Darty. And then I have my persona, Charlie Rock. And that came out of my radio experience back in Albuquerque. And it, it I, I feel like it split me into two people. And I, I can turn those people on and I can turn those people off. It's, it's kind of a surreal uh, experience. Charlie Rock was probably born when you were trapped in a bathroom providing cocaine to Jared Leto for six hours. Yeah, that, that actually happened. Um, I was working for a radio station in Albuquerque and, um, we, we used to hold, um, parties. Well, no, we, we would host events for concerts and this little known band called, um, 30 seconds to Mars was coming into town and Jared Leto was the lead singer. And, um, well, I, I provided the. Cocaine. Party accessories. Party accessories. The Colombian marching powder. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> For the event. And uh, when Jared found out that I had a pocket full of... You can say cocaine. Cocaine. Can say the fuck you <laughs> when I had a... Uh, we ended up in the bathroom <clears throat> for four to six hours. And... Oh, my God. This dude... Dude, like, I want to talk, like, good about Jared Leto, but I, I can't. I was locked in the bathroom with this guy. That was having people deliver you beers. Dude, yeah, so we would have beers delivered. He made me snort lines off the toilet seat because he thought it was funny. <laughs> and I'm just locked in this bathroom. And this dude's out of his mind. Like, not only is he eccentric, you've seen his movies, but just jabber jaw. It was just, it was, dude, we had some good conversations. I'll admit, I can't remember them long time ago, but (laughs) Jesus. All right, man. Well, I think I gotta, I think I gotta land this plane. Is there uh, anything else you want to get off your chest here while you have tens and tens of listeners? No. How do we usually end this show? I can't remember. I listen quite regularly. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I do. He he does. But he's got a shuffle and it just comes across and he's like painting and shit. Uh so I, I gotta do I gotta do Cameron's part. Um here, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a prep. I should have asked you before. Let's let's name a song of the week. So think about it while I do my spiel. Um I gotta do Cameron's part, which is like, follow, share, give us five stars on Spotify. We're on Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, and maybe some other shit. Um, and 
Also, get some merch. Go to the follow us on Instagram. Charlie's bringing up the merch right now, dude. You guys got some good merch here, dude. The Miami Vice colorway, sick. Dude, I like that shit. Me dude. and Kristen worked on that blue and pink one. I like the the splatter. Yeah, the paint splatter. We got the be yourself and fuck what they think tees um, online. It's uh, Etsy.com forward slash shops forward slash rude dude pod linked in the description. Um, follow us on IG. If you are from a foreign country and you are listening to this show, reach out, message us, message us on Instagram before Cameron has yet another sleepless night. Hey, Charlie, do you think the Belgian will ever contact us? Dude, I hope he does, man. Dude, I'm really stoked about it. We have a, a bar here in town. What's that bar called? They have the Belgian flag hanging outside. Oh, is it Apothecary? Apothecary. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. They had they had the uh, pride flags, and now they have the Belgian flag. So we're, we got a spot. We got a, an outdoor patio with your flags ready to host you. Um, and, yeah. So uh, we... Charlie's looking up a song. Um, I didn't. I didn't think of a song. Uh, Travis Scott came out with a new album. Not super stoked on it. Um, I had some jazzy stuff come across my playlist. I got my song. I'm actually not prepared. For this is song. a very controversial song. Oh God. <laughs> What's your song, Charlie? It's uh, Jason Aldean. Try that in a small town. Now listen, I don't like Jason Aldean. I don't like this song, but that's my song. Because everyone hates it, I think. Or... Um, you know, here's my take on that. I don't have much of a take on it specifically. Is it racist? Nah, it could be. It probably is. I don't know. I didn't dig into it. First of all, Jason Aldean's not from a small town. He's from a town of 150,000 people. I read this compelling uh, arg argument that like in a small town, they're not worried about that stuff. They're more worried about the uh, meth heads next door stealing their catalytic uh, converters. And that wasn't in a rude way. This woman was from a small town that was explaining this. Anyway, long story short, if you would like to be upset about something, maybe don't be upset about a Jason Aldean song. Be upset about how fentanyl is killing all of our friends and uh, the lizard people who run this country all belong in nursing homes. Um, you know, there's lots of things to be upset about or be upset about the fact that they are uh, distracting us with the news, quote unquote news that there are aliens do exist because what are they trying to hide from us? I don't know. Uh, aliens exist, cool. Can we see the Epstein client list, please? You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, so, let's see that. You want to be mad about something? Be mad about something else, not uh, what some fucking rich idiot uh, put on a song. Um, he's a dickhead. And shout and, out... And Jason Aldean does suck. Let's all get that straight. And shout out Tyler Childers, who in the midst of this uh, released a music video that features a gay couple. Um Man, what a strong decision. What a fucking, I mean, way to take a stand. Whether you like it or not, that takes some fucking cojones. I haven't seen that. What? His his new music video for his new song, I Will Wait, I don't know what it's called, um, features a gay couple. And it, for a guy in country music, that's pretty fucking brave. Um, so, we will end this. 
how we always end this. And I'm not going to be a dick like Cameron when he said, I love you, Henry, while he was talking to Michael. I'm actually going to include the person I'm talking to. So I love you, Charlie. I love you, Henry. And remember, wait, wait, no. Can I call you Hank? <laughs> you can. Most people That's can. your That's your uh, alternate. My, my, my alter ego. Your alter ego, yeah. <laughs> and uh, remember, be yourself and fuck what they think. Ha <laughs> ha! Try to do the cam. I'm one of them see with the music and me a regal I'm one of the puppy then boy the lyrical 